You don't know where to start. It can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, y'all, let's drop into the half pipe and start grinding and shredding. Skater die style, early NES games. We're kicking it nostalgia style today. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, November 30th, the final day before the official December holiday season launches. Although I feel like I saw wreaths and listening to Christmas music after 4th of July this year. This is episode number 505 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, guess what, y'all? Me, Ray Tierney, Matthew Hibbert, Sharice Lamb, D. Crash, Ashley Sweeney, Matt McDaniel, Alana Boyajian from the GRC contingent, Rogue 2022, Ashiana Ishmael coming hot off the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, Senfless, Marcus Kyler with the Yeats, folks over on LinkedIn, people on YouTube, Squad members, community members, first-timers, long-timers, we're all getting together. Make the circle wider. We're going to all be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis. What's up, Daniel Isaac? I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with this information? Why are we listening to this? How can we drive cyber risk reduction for our stakeholders or level up ourselves as professionals? And if you are looking to break into the industry, which I know some of you are, believe me, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing has value in buckets, wheelbarrows. Get the wheelbarrow, fill it up, come back, get another wheelbarrow. The Hey, whoa, Matthew Hibbert with a super chat. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Matthew Hibbert. So check it out. Here's the deal. For people looking to break in, for people who just found us, for people, you know, cyber curious, Every single cybersecurity job interview you're ever going to interview for will ask you, how do you stay current in the industry? The Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast is a phenomenal answer. Listen up, pay attention. You'll get exposed to terminology, concepts, and um, the networking. You see all these hundreds of people over here, 187 already getting kicked off. Guys, the networking is unparalleled. The community is supportive, inclusive. Ask all the questions. Share all the resources, right? Let's let's level up and crush it together. But I got to tell you, um, we're going to have a great show for you today. But before we dig in, let me give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors. Those people who uh, enable me to bring this show to you on the reg, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions, who, by the way, is expanding their operations to include new staff, including community members. I will leave that as a 
um, a surprise for others to disclose since I just found out minutes ago. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated not today, not today, online agent Vanessa. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. It's like digital hemorrhoids. You do not want them. Barricade Cyber Solution knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. They are that mollifying salve that can be applied to your digital problems and make the boo-boo hurt less. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Thank you, Eric Taylor, for your continued support. And a super chat coming in from Bryce Jackson. Bryce, what's up? We just become best friends. Yep. First time listener, newbie to the cyber world, starting the journey at 37, so I'm trying to immerse myself. Well, guess what, Bryce? You picked a heck. You picked a heck of a, a show, a heck of a stream, and a heck of, heck of a community to give a shot. And can I just say, uh, if you, I'm going to say this in a minute, but if you are a first timer, if this is your first time on here, just like Bryce Jackson, hashtag first timer in chat, Bryce, I got to tell you, we have a special emote and a special sound effect for people just like you. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Let's get Bryce some of this, uh, welcome to the party, pal emote action. Great to have you here. Great to have all the newcomers here. Let's keep rolling. Also want to say shout out to Panopsi, y'all. Panopsi Secure. Why did it do that? Hold on one second. Panopsi Secure. Whoa, Alana Boyajian, the question of Queen approves this message. Welcome first timers, passive observers. We're so glad you joined us. Heck yeah, we are. We just become best friends. Yep. Did we just become best friends, Alana? We just become best friends. You know what? You know what my favorite part is? I can throw shade at the Royals and I can say Jif and Alana Boyajian and I can still have uh, you know, an amicable relationship. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much, Alana, for being part of the community. Guys, Panopsi Security, uh, get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Guys, operating left of boom, when we're talking about NIST cybersecurity framework, the identify, the protect, the looking at your landscape and figuring out what the heck is important and what's not important, where to spend your money, your resources, your people's focus and time. How do you, do you need to talk to Carl about what's going on? Yes or no? I don't know. But Panopsi Security, fractional VC, so work, quantified risk assessments, tabletop exercises. They can do it all. I am a uh, advisory board member on their board. I love this company. They do phenomenal work. If you're looking for help on setting a course for success for your cyber program, Panopsi.com is where it's at. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon. Uh, but more about them at the mid-roll, including don't sleep on the cyber threat hunting training level one. Actually, you know what? Let's make uh, anti-siphon training read today about this. Guys, anti-siphon training, they are disrupting the industry on uh, financial. Um, they're disrupting the cybersecurity training industry by disrupting financial gates that prevent people from getting education. And I want to call your attention specifically to this right here. One day, six hours, free training, thread hunting. If you want to learn a new skill, if you work in a soccer blue, if you're training, even if you're into CTI, cyber thread hunting has value. I will be taking this course tomorrow for free. I will be in Discord. Um, Josh Mason will be taking this course. If you're taking this course tomorrow, holler in chat. It's absolutely free. I'm going to drop a link in chat right now. If you have the time, it's a, I can't drop a link in chat. It's too big. Um, 
if you have time tomorrow between a 11 a.m. Eastern time and um, 5 p.m. Eastern time, which I know is a big chunk of time, get up on this and be part of the uh, the student body. Uh, we can simply cyber raid this class and just take it over. It's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. A lot of good lessons. I myself am excited about getting some training. It's been a minute since I've had the time to be able to commit to something like this. So come on out and let's get some of that. All right, guys, check it out. Oh, Bryce, Bryce Jackson. Hold on, Bryce. Bryce, there's the link directly if you got the time. All right, holla. Marcus Kyler's going to be there. <laughs> Love it. Oh, hey, Jeffrey Lowinger over on LinkedIn, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Spencer Bass, what's up? Love it, love it, love it. All right, Glum Hippo's a teapot. Okay, short and stout. Thank you for the super chat. Okay, guys, really quickly, if you are... um, Oh, my God, hold on one second. If you are live with us right now, hashtag team live in chat. Each episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE, so say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot, save it off. If you don't know what CPEs are, uh, chances are you probably don't need them. They're, they help you with professional certifications and maintaining them. If you are on replay, hashtag team replay, Chris Weaver always pins the stories to the um, to the comments. Uh, so Chris, love that. Thank you so very much. Check that out if you're on team replay. Um, hashtag team replay in the comments. Grab a screenshot. CPEs work on replay also. And finally, as we've already done it, if it's your first time, if this is your first episode, shout out to you for being here. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. And let us know in chat with a hashtag first timer. All right, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome way. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Thursday, November 30th, 2023. I'm Rich. And if you don't know who that is, it's Mr. Uh, it's Rich Struffolino, Mr. Rich Struffolino. Struffolino. <laughs> All Okta customers exposed in breach. The access and identity stalwart disclosed that the breach it discovered in October saw threat actors steal data on all of its customers. Oh, my God. This contradicts Okta's statement directly after the breach, which claimed that the attack impacted about 1% of customers. While the breach impacted all customers, 99.6% of them had only full names and email addresses stolen. Okta said it didn't see signs of customers being actively exploited from the breach, but did say that the information could prove effective social engineering fodder. All right. I forgot to mention this really quickly. Um, so for, for people who are first timer here, you may not know this. I don't, I don't know the stories that are coming up. I don't, I didn't research these stories. I have no idea what I'm about to listen to and see. So I'm just giving you my straight hot takes. Um, couple things here. One, uh, yeah, no kidding. Multi-factor. Okay, so uh, Okta is a massive player, arguably the biggest player in the space for identity as a service. Um, you can you can leverage Okta all over the place. Huge, huge money. In fact, let me let me just put a fine point on that. Uh, Okta annual revenue for uh, 2023. Uh, let's see here, 2023. Let's do this. Give me the numbers, baby. Total revenue in fourth quarter. Hold on. Um, yeah, $1.86 billion, uh, 43% year-over-year increase. So 
They are a multi-billion dollar company and they are growing like a weed. Okay, 43% increase year over year. That is massive. Do, do you like that? Do you like a 43% increase in anything? The value of your home, the value of your car, the amount of cash in your wallet or purse right now? Great cash, homie. Okay, so Okta, obviously huge player, making tons of money. Here's the deal. A uh, couple, couple bad looks. One, they said that only 1% of uh, 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 customers were impacted on the initial breach. Now they're saying 99 to 100% were impacted. That's a bit gross and um, not good. Okay, so let me, let me break this story into two parts. One, if you're using Okta for anything, whether it's, you know, access, like you do, you can fully move over Okta to manage your Active Directory authentication. I don't know if you guys know that, but which is like a huge leap of faith in my opinion. But you can you can do that or you can use Okta to authenticate into um, web application services. If you're a tech company and you offer web apps, you can you can uh, operate operate uh, offer, excuse me, federated authentication and stuff. So it's, it's a really powerful platform. However, in any instance, you absolutely should be using multi-factor authentication across the board. Okta offers these services. You can also get multi-factor in other capacities, but you should not, in 2023, you should not be using single-factor authentication ever, okay? And I don't care if your second factor is a crappy one. It's better than nothing, all right? So that's the first thing that you should absolutely do. Secondly, if you're an Okta user, uh, it sounds like they said that you know the 99% that got impacted was just customer names and I think maybe email addresses. When you get kind of low-hanging fruit PII type information in a data breach, um, it's really all about social engineering at that point. Um, Dude, we deal with phishing and social engineering every single day. So whether it's this breach or it's, you know, um, the data from like uh, MGM Resorts or it's what anything, right? A anything, unless it's like fulls with medical history or, you know, IRS, social security stuff, like the kind of thing where you could perpetrate an actual fraud. If it's just, you know, email it like the Twitter hacks where it was like handle and email address. Like, okay. Like yes, a little doxing going on, which means you can identify the real human behind an avatar on social media, but you're not getting next level, um, elite level hacking of your, you know, sensitive information, your businesses and all that. So you got to be mindful of phishing. And guys, if you're not educating your end users about phishing on the regular, the different ways phishing can happen, the different dimensions of phishing, showing them what phishing landing pages look like, then with all due respect, you're not doing your business a service. Okay. Like and end user awareness training, like of all the, I'm sorry, now I'm going off on a tantrum here. Of all of all the controls out there, multi-factor is a good one. Of all the controls, the technical ones and all that, um, end user awareness training has massive value. I know it's not a freaking technical control. I know it's not got bells and whistles and little red lights that light up. And I know you don't have to be a elite level IT hacks or to do end user awareness training. But believe me when I tell you this, it is one of the most valuable controls if you're measuring against cyber risk reduction to your organization. 
End user awareness training is one of the most valuable controls for cyber risk reduction in any organization. Okay. It's because your end users are the are targeted through phishing all the time. It's because you got Carl, you know, sales guy Carl, just like, oh yeah, like click, 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 click. Here's an opportunity. Click, 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 right? You got to protect themselves from themselves. All right. Now, uh, to BSEC's point, Okta is basically a data broker. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you got to be mindful of that. Um, I don't know if this is going to... Well, the final thing I'll say about this, and I, I don't blame Okta, but it's important to note... Um, oh, I cut myself shaving here. Um, it's important to note, there are these rules that you have to report a breach within four days uh, if you're a publicly traded company because of the SEC, right? Like we just saw Black Cat narc out some company, I forget who, for not doing that, right? Here is the problem. Sometimes four days, especially with a massive company like Okta, sometimes four days isn't enough to get your arms around what the hell, sorry, Kennedy, what the heck happened, right? You like Sometimes it's not enough time to get your arms around. And what you end up doing is giving an update and a notification based on the information you currently have, which is not accurate but because you're trying to comply with these arbitrary timelines, you end up disclosing uh, dubious information. So it, it's 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 really a struggle between like, you know, disclosing information so consumers, end users, partner businesses, if you're a third party or an actual business using Okta, or you're a third party that works with Okta, like you can do something about it, right? Uh, it, knowledge is power. But at the same time, you run this risk of, oh, only 1% of Okta was hacked. We don't need to worry about it. Push it to the back of the line. And in reality, it could be much, much worse. So just be mindful of those type of things. JAXA hit by cyber attack. Japan's aerospace exploration agency, known as JAXA, disclosed the security incident. Japanese media sources say attackers targeted the space agency's central Active Directory server over the summer. Reportedly, the attackers gained initial access. Hold on. I'm sorry. I know. Hold on. Let me finish the story. A known vulnerability in a piece of networked equipment. A JAXA spokesperson said it did not find evidence of any data leaks from the incident. This isn't the space agency's first cyber breach with Chinese military threat actors targeting it in 2017. All right. Couple things. One second. Let's take a quick pause because it's more important than uh, Japanese space agency getting hicked. Hit. Let's all take a, a minute here. Stephanie Strauss. I came in like a yes, Stephanie Strauss with the W. Stephanie Strauss confirming in chat. She got a verbal offer, formal in the email later today. Boom, baby, boom. That's what I'm talking about. Way to go, Stephanie. Uh, super happy for you. Congratulations. Um, you know, right on. Go crush it. Just fun fact, if you're interested, I have a video on the channel on how to destroy your first 90 days at a job. Uh, if you'd like to, Stephanie, I know you're a very capable professional, but if you'd like um, to destroy your first 90 days and just straight up stomp mud holes in everybody's butt, <laughs> uh, feel free to check out that video. All right, guys, Japan Space Agency hit by Cybertech. I don't know if it's me or not, but guys, is there like a, like, it's very trendy right now. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's very trendy right now um, to either hack water treatment plants or to hack um, space agencies, right? So it's so hot right now. That Hansel's so hot right now. Seriously, guys, like in the last couple of days, we saw North Texas water utility get hit. We saw um, 
another uh, water utility get hit. I can't even remember. And then the India space agency got hit yesterday. Japan today. I feel like there was a space agency a couple weeks ago that got hit. I don't know what the F is going on right now, but like uh, space agencies and water utilities are so hot right now. Uh, so I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's basically a threat actor who's like got the hots for, you know, space agencies or water utilities. Uh, it would be two different threat actors, obviously. Cyber Avengers is doing the water stuff. But anyways, uh, it just it's just interesting to see that trend. So it, I guess TLDR, Justin Gold and everybody like Justin Gold. If you work at water utility, you should be shields up. You should absolutely increase your risk profile um, in the in this very simplified version of risk in the GRC world, there's likelihood and impact. Your likelihood value should be going north right now because there's obviously demonstrated, um, you know, examples out in the world here. Uh, yeah, and then secondly, if you work for a space agency, whether it's you know NASA government funded or if you work at SpaceX Blue Origin, and if you do work at those two, what's up? Welcome to the stream. Um, you should be mindful of that too. Now, it sounds like Japan was hit by a uh, a technical vulnerability. Let me see. Oh, let's see. Whoops. Let's see where the vuln is. Jake. Jacob Horn. Jacob Horn is here. Holy macro! Look at this guy. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, Jacob Horn's dropping. There will be a bilateral agreement between Japan MOD and the Department of Defense regarding CMMC. Mark my words. So Jacob Horn, thanks for being here, Jacob. Good to see you. Um, and thanks for the super chat. Jacob Horn, if you guys don't know, just to take a quick uh, a quick departure, because uh, it's worth it's worth your time and it's worth mine too. Uh, Jacob Horn, let's do Jacob Horn on LinkedIn. Let's blow up his, um, is Jacob, this isn't you, Jacob. Oh, it is you. I didn't know you were, um, hold on, when did you switch? Did you switch jobs? All right. So anyways, Jacob Horn, this is him right here. I'm going to drop his link in chat. This dude knows a thing or two about um, CMMC and GRC uh, because he's like, um, all, you know, farmer's insurance. He knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Love this guy. Great, great guy. GRC expert, not a lawyer. Um, but anyways, go check him out. Definitely worth it. He's he's projecting uh, CMMC uh, uh, memorandum of what's MOD? Memorandum of what? I don't know. But anyways, Japan got hacked. Here's the deal. They had uh, vulnerable tech and they got hacked. If I had to guess, it doesn't say ransomware. China is an expert at espionage. Um, I'm not sure if China's trying to move into the um, space race, if you will. Uh, it would make sense. I, I'm not really sure of China's current space program. But guys, here's the deal. First world countries are really the ones um, that are interested in space travel, right? Like third world countries that don't have running electricity or running water. They have more Maslow's pyramid of needs. They're more at the lower level, like food, shelter, clothing. Um, they're not quite food, shelter, clothing, uh, colonizing Mars. Like that's not where they're at. Okay. So you're only going to be looking at these. So now you can limit like who, who would possibly be an attack. Hopefully, Japan Space Agency, like whatever intel and uh, intellectual property they had, has probably been compromised. This doesn't look like it was a um, 
um, ransomware attack, right? It's they stole, you know, employee information. Network equipment manufacturer had an exploited vulnerability in June, so it looks like Japan's space agency wasn't managing their vulnerability management, which you've got to do. You've got to patch it. Ah, oh, you've got to patch it. So, anyways, um, TLDR, guys, I, it's 2023. Okay, our job as cybersecurity professionals is hard. Okay, it's hard because there's no break. You need to remain vigilant. You like you patched it last week. Guess what? Do a scan this week and see if there's new vulnerabilities. It's relentless. It's not for everybody, but if you are up to the challenge, this is what it is, and this is why you've got to do it because you could have been the greatest vulnerability management person, got everybody on board, patched the crap out of everything limited the exposure all over the place. And then you took a month off and ate tacos only and just chilled. Or actually you took a few months off because the vulnerability was from June and then you got popped. It's not good. Guys, TLDR, this is like the final thing I say because vulnerability management is wicked hard, okay? Million vulnerabilities, you can't patch them all. I know you got to patch it. You can't patch them all. Sometimes you got to come up with alternative solutions. Legacy OS doesn't have a patch. You patch something and it breaks, uh, you know, critical applications. There's a million reasons you can't always just patch it. But dude, you need to look at your external network. You need to look at your external interface, your external attack surface, the thing facing the internet. And you need to harden that. That's where you start. Before you get all fancy pants and put on a monocle and start twisting your mustache with a top hat on and fixing and optimizing the internal processes. Yeah, I get it. Cool. It's cool to have shiny bells and whistles and celebrate wins about your advanced spear phishing and user awareness training. That's wicked cool. But guess what? If you've got some nasty piece of tech, it, like if you're running Citrix and it's vulnerable to Citrix bleed facing the internet, it doesn't matter if you train the CFO not to fall for business email compromise. Threat actors are just going to bum rush the Citrix um, Netscaler and take you over and ransomware you. You've got to maintain your external attack surface and manage the risk there. That is like step two. Step one is MFA and um, end user awareness training in general. Okay. But step two is your external attack surface. Please, man. OpenAI's chatbots leak secrets. With all the drama with OpenAI's leadership, it's easy to forget that less than a month ago, they announced availability for customer GPT chatbots trained on unique data sets for more customized responses. Wired Matt Burgess found several security researchers able to download these source files and obtain system prompts using prompt injections on the chatbots. According to Adversa AI CEO Alex Pliakov, these prompts require low sophistication, needing only basic proficiency in English. Basically, you just ask for it. Northwestern University researcher Ji Hao Yu said they found a 100% success rate in obtaining files from custom GPTs tested. All right, really quickly, um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this story for sake of time. If you don't know about, well, obviously, Shall we play a game? Everybody knows about ChatGPT, okay? But what you may not know is just recently they kind of like unlocked the ability to make your own ChatGPT plugins, which by the way is wicked powerful. I use some to make like mid-journey prompts. I use there's some that will like uh rip out interesting stuff from YouTube videos. Um there's some that there, there's cool plugins, okay? So go check it out. There's like a million videos on YouTube. You can't you can't like 
go on YouTube or talk in tech without AI sucking all the oxygen out of the room. But just know that that's happening. But when you extend to an open ecosystem of people making stuff, um, there's more developers, which means there's more vulnerabilities and ChatGPT prompt injections is happening. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. But what I do want to share with you is my friend Cody Kinsey over on Retia. If you don't know about this, it's kind of a smaller YouTube channel, but you may recognize Cody from uh, Nullbyte and Cyber Weapons Lab. This guy is a phenomenal cybersecurity practitioner and a really nice guy. He he likes to play in the um, the hardware hacking wireless space a lot, but he's really good at a million other things. I'm going to drop a link in chat here. Um, first of all, I totally recommend that you subscribe to his YouTube channel, but what he does is he does these live Q and a AMAs. And yesterday I did not attend this one yesterday, but I saw it in my feed. He did a full on chat GPT live Q and a thing. And he's always got like clever, clever hacks and clever ideas. For example, if you try to like feed it, at, um, some like, uh, a website or something and it's not doing it, he's like, Oh, just you know, print the website to PDF and upload the content of the PDF into ChatGPT and that'll work. So he's constantly thinking of like basically hacks to get around some of the guardrails and stuff like that. Lo love this guy. Um, so anyways, that's what's up with, uh, with that. Okay. Google patches another Chrome zero day. The search giant issued this emergency update marking the sixth zero day fix in its browser this year. According to Google's security advisory, the vulnerability came from an integer overflow in the Skia 2D graphics library, opening the door to arbitrary code execution. As Skia is an open source library, the flaw likely impacts other software, potentially including Google's own Android, Chrome OS, and Flutter. The company said it will disclose further technical details of the zero day once most users apply the patch. All right, couple things. One, PSA. This is me uh, earlier today when I turned on my computer. Updated Google Chrome. Guys, take, take a minute. You might even have to re, re, um, reload your browser, which means you might have to drop from the stream for a second. That's cool. As much as I would love you to do it after the stream, I'm more interested in you protecting yourself. Take a minute. Update your Chrome. Now, I don't know. And why? Why am I prioritizing this? There's active exploitation in the wild, which means there's an active, at least one group, that have the capability to exploit this vulnerability. Just because something's vulnerable doesn't mean it's exploited. If something's being exploited, it means it's vulnerable. All right, you guys picking up what I'm putting down on this? So Google Chrome, a lot of people use it. People are probably going to get away from it because Google's um, doing all sorts of shenanigans with uh, extensions and stuff. I won't get into that. But patch, patch, patch. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. Okay, it's an integer overflow thing, whatever. It doesn't matter what the vulnerability is. The TLDR is that it's actively being exploited. Again, I don't know if this applies to Chromium products, so like Edge Browser and other, um, other solutions that require this. Also, fun fact, you may not know this, but a lot of sassy products, not, not sassy... <laughs> Not sassy like, mm-hmm, oh, you go, girl. Not sassy like that. Sassy like S-A-A-S, SaaS cloud-based web applications, okay? A lot of them that are on your phone that have mobile apps, like I, I, I would argue Notion as an example, ClickUp as an example, um, they're just like, like application wrappers. The fat client is not a... It's not a different instance. It's it's a fat, you know, web app wrapper 
that looks like an app that points to the same backend via APIs. So a lot of times apps may actually be leveraging Chromium and Chromium Engine and stuff like that. So just be on the lookout, be on the mind. I don't want anyone to get um, smacked in the mouth with this Google uh, Chrome related. Again, I don't know if this applies to Chromium, but just saying, just saying. That's right, security, Steve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud. Hold on one second. I totally missed an update. Community win. Community win. Here we go. Here we go. Jason Hoskins, my man. Jason Hoskins says, I have exciting news to share with you all. After his first 90 days in the sock, you got a promotion. Hard work, dedication pays off. Yeah. Way to go, Jason Hoskins. I'm telling you, man, there's tons of opportunity to straight up destroy the first 90 days. Don't be a passive observer in your first 90 days because you're defining who you are, what your work ethic is. People are watching. You may not know who and when, but they're watching. And if you are straight up destroying work, process improvement, proactive initiative, oh my God, pants off. It's all about good times. For some people, ignorance is bliss, but that's not an option for those of us in cybersecurity. SpyCloud has a free tool that lets you check your company's darknet exposure, and you might find some things that are pretty alarming. Go to spycloud.com slash CISO to see your company's exposure from data breaches and even info stealer malware infections that can open the door to ransomware. SpyCloud's focus is helping businesses act on what criminals are using right now to target them, addressing stolen passwords, cookies, and even API keys automatically to stop criminals in their tracks. To learn more and get your darknet exposure report, go to spycloud.com slash CISO. It's a good idea, Lana. All right. This is a... <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. Hey, I want to say thank you, all of you. Thank you, Alana. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, QDEP. Thanks, Robert Rittenhouse. Thank you, all of you. Thank you, Jacob Horn. If you're here right now, I thank you. There's 437 of you awesome people. Thank you very much. Shout out to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon. I already did their read, so we're not going to do it again, but really appreciate the support for the channel. Simply Cyber, guys, we're here every single day. We're putting out content. We got the Discord. We're helping everybody. 505 episodes in a row. If you're getting value from the stream, if you're getting value from uh, entertainment value, educational value, value from the network, take a minute, hit the like button on YouTube. It goes a long way. The reason I ask you to do it is because it goes a long way to trigger the YouTube algorithm to help other people find the stream. That's it. It's as simple as that. We also got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, guys. If you want to supercharge your LinkedIn feed, if you would like to build a professional network on LinkedIn quickly, that is easy to do, takes five minutes a day, and has real value. People in chat, if you've gotten value from the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, please share why you've gotten value or that you've gotten value just to illustrate to people. Here's the deal. Simple Man Guitar is in chat right now. Simple Man Guitar is going to tag somebody.
Say, um, Simple Man Guitar is going to tag somebody, and that's going to be the person with the baton. Check it out. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is very easy. Five minutes a day, two weeks, you're going to super blow up your LinkedIn feed. Go on LinkedIn, do hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, or search for that hashtag, okay? Simple. Search for that hashtag. Once you find it, find the people posting. Michael Ball, I believe, is Simply Man Guitar. Find his post. Ashiana Ishmael, find her post. Like, find the people's posts and connect with the poster. Comment on the post. Connect with the people in comments. Right there, you're going to add 10, 15 people to your network. But more importantly, the next person who comes through is going to connect with you because you're in the comments. So passively, you're going to build your LinkedIn network with like-minded, real cybersecurity interested in professionals. And it's just, you're going to love it. Believe me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. All right, guys. I also want to say Glum Hippo. I Now, when you say uh, teapot, I, I totally get it. I missed it initially. Thank you again uh, with the 418. Uh, I appreciate that. It's been a minute since I thought about the teapot. All right, guys. Hey, every single day of the week has a special uh, segment. Um, Mondays are community member of the week. Tuesday is Tuesday tidbits. We go around the world on Wednesday. James McQuiggan drops dad jokes on Friday. And guess what, guys? Thursday, a community member, Haircut Fish, a.k.a. Dan Reardon, makes a custom meme, and I don't censor it or anything. And this week is a little bit of a throwback. If you were at Simply CyberCon, you know it. But here we are. Cybersecurity is like some box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Thank you, Haircut Fish. Genuinely appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, so really quickly, Glum Hippo says, what does the baton mean? All right, so in order to manage the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, one person a day gets to hold the baton. The baton is a virtual concept of who is the person currently posting today. We hand the baton off every day. So Haircut Fish currently posted... I mean, um, Simply Man Guitar, or Simple Man Guitar has the um, baton, right? Glum Hippo, like that's the person who posted yesterday. And Simple Man Guitar is going to tag somebody and give them the virtual baton. It's just a way for us to manage who is the person currently posting and to make sure that that person gets the opportunity to tag someone in chat. It's a, it's a community initiative, right? It's for the community to connect with each other but also for someone to be able to pass the baton to to someone else, right? Instead of me just being up here being like, okay, today Deb Wigley's got it. Today, whatever. All right, so uh, Jenny Housley, let me know in chat. Uh, Dan, thanks again for the uh, Forrest Gump. Let's get back to the news. Meta announces plans for 2024 election ads. Meta's president of global affairs, Nick Clegg, announced the company informed U.S. regulators that it will block new political ads for one week ahead of November's U.S. elections. This largely reflects Meta's previous election ad policies. Clegg also reiterated Meta's recent policy change to require disclosure of any AI-generated media, political, or issue-related ads. Meta will rescind its ad freeze the day after elections. All right, so this is interesting, okay? So here, here's the... Here's the deal, okay? So first of all, let's talk objectively. Then I will firmly put on my tinfoil hat. I will square it up, and then I'll tell you what I'm really thinking. Okay, so Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, Instagram, 
um, says they're going to suspend um, uh, political ads one week before the election. I love this. Okay. So political ads in the United States, if you guys don't know, I don't know if this happens in other countries. I would love to know Australia, New Zealand, Europe, uh, Gregor's here, uh, Tom Bishop, if you've seen anything, I'm just kind of curious on the Europe, on the um, international front, but in the United States, instead of politicians being like, I'm the best candidate because I believe in these policies. What they normally say is, don't vote for the, my opponent because they suck. Don't vote for my opponent because they, you know, took bribes and they hate babies and they they punch dogs, right? Like it's it's not about it's not about the politician being a good fit. It's about them being like the last person standing because everybody else is terrible. Okay? And it's usually done through, you know, I approve this ad, political ads. It's all marketing basically. It's all uh, information warfare essentially. Uh, and Meta is saying, listen, we're taking a stand. You can't issue new uh, ads a week before, which I totally love, by the way, because with um, deep fakes, right? I, I've always been hot on the train of like deep fakes uh, influencing elections. Imagine if you will, like the night before the polls open, um, there's like an ad of like a primary candidate and it looks just like them and they're committing some horrible, heinous crime, right? And it's a political ad like, Oh, look at candidate A. They're doing all this awful stuff. Think twice when you go to the polls, right? So you could, and even if it's proven a week later that it was a deep fake and everything's wrong, the election has already occurred. And that's the real concern with election manipulation, election security. It's less about hacking into ballot machines and changing ballots. And it's much more about manipulating large swaths of the population. So I love that Meta's done this a week before it gives enough time. Hopefully um, if anything comes out to kind of um, control it, um, I will. Uh, so there's that um, now. And I love, by the way, that they said anything generated that has AI in it, you have to disclose it has AI. I'll be interested personally on seeing how these PR firms and, you know, uh, campaign managers introduce that AI disclaimer. It's not going to be a big sticker slapped over the front, like a watermark that says draft and it says AI generated. I'm sure it's going to be size two font. It's going to be spoken at like five X speed at the very end of the commercial, right? I, I don't know how it's going to look, but I'm always interested in that type of thing. Okay. Now allow me, let's put on my tinfoil hat really quickly. Also, by the way, really quickly, um, election security falls under CISA and Jen Easterly. Shout out to Jen Easterly. If you want to come on the show, we've got space for you. Um, anyways, tinfoil hat. Here's the deal. Okay. So here's what I want to know. Meta is suspending ads a week before the election. Okay. Guys, like just think about how much money all the politicians spend, right? Like SBF, it came out, SB, Sam Bankman fried who was, um, the former FTX CEO and now going to jail, hopefully for a long time. Um, you know, it was disclosed that he was, he was like one of the largest donors to the Republicans and the Democrats in the United States, upwards of like 30 or $40 million each. So we're talking boatloads of money, boatloads of money going into these campaigns. And when I think about boatloads of money, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So Meta is saying, listen, we're a publicly traded for-profit company. We're all about capitalism. We're all about the Benjamins. We're all about revenue. Make it rain, baby. Mark Zuckerberg, 
definitely isn't like, um, you know, the sparrow from Game of Thrones walking around in a ratty toga and all filthy, right? He's he's like, um, he can invest like 10 million in a meta project that fails and it doesn't even affect him. So meta, all about that straight cash on me, is taking a bath for a week during the hottest time when they could charge the most for ads. That doesn't really add up. So what I'm curious about is what is the deal Okay, in my best Seinfeld impression, what is the deal with meta ads for election? Like either they got paid or the government weighed in on them and said, listen, this isn't like you're going to you're going to do this or else we're going to make your life a living. Right. I I don't know how it did, but just look at it on its surface. And I'm open to people's opinion and thoughts on this. But think about it. Meta is not going to be making money on one of the most valuable things that they sell for a week. It doesn't add up, dude. Right. And I get that it's the righteous thing to do. And if I owned an ass, sorry, Kennedy, if I owned a boatload of Facebook stock or meta stock, I I would still wrestle with the, um, with the, the moral element of like, you know what, even though this would make a ton of money, it really is the right thing to do. Okay. So I'm fine with it, but a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people who are in powerful positions that are just up straight up cash money, homie. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, dude, if I'm on a yacht in the Caribbean right now, just buzzing around, looking at my portfolio on my iPhone 17, cause I've got early access. Is this making me happy? I don't know, but it just seems weird for a publicly traded private comp, uh, private company to, uh, to, to be okay with this. So I'm curious how this looks. Also, also final tin foil, foil hat thing really quickly, just because Meta is doing this, all, all these super PACs and campaign managers, all they're going to do is funnel all that money to Twitter or, you know, other platform, like insert other platform here. It doesn't say Google's going to do it. Right. So let's expect a ton of YouTube shorts to come crashing down on us. Let's see. Um, like a lot of Twitter stuff come crashing down. We'll see, but it's just the money's going to go somewhere. The ads are going to happen. I hope other large big tech companies take take this, uh, you know, as as some type of like indicator of the right thing to do. Researchers call Bluetooth bluffs. Security researchers at Euricom disclosed a collection of six Bluetooth vulnerabilities it refers to as bluffs. This group of exploits used two previously unknown issues with how Bluetooth creates session keys impacting the Bluetooth core specification from 4.2 to 5.4. Bluffs effectively forces the creation of a weaker session key that's susceptible to a brute force attack. From there, an attacker can decrypt and manipulate traffic. The Bluetooth SIG received the report and published a statement with best practices to avoid the issues. All right, so Bluetooth hacking was hot. Okay, geez. Oh, that's the wrong one. Bluetooth hacking was so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. Bluetooth hacking was so hot. Like maybe like, I hate to be such a jerk about it, but like Bluetooth hacking's like so five years ago. Um, go look at the DEF CON talks. It was like overwhelmed with like Bluetooth hacking. There was a uh, adult female pleasure device um, that got hacked that made big headlines. Um, Bluetooth locks got hacked, bike locks. Okay, so... Uh, I even remember, I actually considered for a hot minute doing my PhD dissertation in Bluetooth security. Uh, I pulled up from that nosedive though. Uh, so it's good to see there's still some more attacks going on. Bluetooth, while there has been like claims of like the Bluetooth rifle uh, doing Bluetooth attacks from like a mile away, 
in reality, Bluetooth is a personal area network um, protocol and in uh, technology. So the attacks usually have to be much more, you know, personal and intimate. You're not doing Bluetooth hacks over the internet, which is part of the reason why they kind of fell out of favor. They're really cool, but Lazarus Group isn't doing a Bluetooth hack to the tune of $200 million, right? So, you know, whatever. Uh, finally, this attack, even though it's called bluffs and it's cool, um, it, it's it's the, the paradigm of what this hack is has already been developed, okay? The idea is that you force a connection to a lower level of security. Uh, we see this all the time, guys. Like, for example, when you are doing um, a handshake with a, like a, a, a website or whatever, right? Uh, or you're doing a handshake with an access point or whatever, typically... The for resiliency purposes, and this is I'm a I'm a, I might misspeak a little bit, but this is definitely you know in the right direction. When you are making a connection, right? Network protocols, whether it's Bluetooth connections or internet or wireless Wi-Fi, 802.11, um, RFID, NFC, whatever it is. Well, NFC wouldn't count, but um, they're trying to be resilient. So if I have a client that is like Windows XP crap and it only supports SSL one, right? But I'm trying to connect to like TLS one, two or whatever it is, or 2.0, right? It will, the server will initially try to establish the most secure connection, and then it will fail to a lower connection, then fail to a lower connection, then fail to a lower connection. And if it can make that lower connection, good. It's like a degradation um, in, in, a, in order of priority. It doesn't, I mean, you can configure it to say only this one or nothing, but a lot of times network protocols by default will stack downward until it can make that established connection. And the idea is like, it's not the best, but we're more interested in resiliency and making the connection than we are about it's, you know, our way or the highway. And that's what this attack does. Basically, it forces a connection to be established at a lower level of security. That lower level of security has already been researched and, and, and vulnerabilities have been found and exploitation occurs. So the Bluetooth connection happens and you, none the wiser to the problem, have made a lower or a less secure connection to the device, to the access point, to the tower, whatever. And you're about to get, you know, you're about to grab your ankles, basically, and you don't know it. Um, that's what's up with this. So way to go, Bluetooth hacking. It's fun. Um, but again, it has, it has, it has its place but it's less, you see it less, less because it just doesn't have as much applicability. U.S. seizes crypto mixer. Yeah. The U.S. Treasury Department seized the mixing service Sinbad over its ties to money laundering for the North Korean Lazarus Group. A statement from the Treasury said Lazarus processed millions of dollars through Sinbad, including crypto obtained through the Horizon Bridge and Axie Infinity attacks. The Treasury also tied the mixer to uses across the dark web from evading sanctions to drug trafficking and purchasing CSAM. Authorities seized Sinbad's clear website and took down its tour site. Yeah. All right. First of all, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Regulators! Mauna. I love it. I love it. Suck on that one. Dude, okay, so two things. One, Angular asked what my dissertation was on. Uh, I don't have time for jaw jacking, but Angular, really quickly at the end, I will drop a link to my dissertation. It was in healthcare, small business and why they suck at information security. Um, riveting stuff. I actually developed a, a whole new theory on it. Um, okay, so check it out. Um, law, federal law enforcement, coordinated fashion, 
Looks like they did it with the Polish, uh, the DOJ, and the FBI. So straight up, straight cash, homie. Love it. Suck it. Um, here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. When you get, when you steal money, okay, if it's crypto, Lazarus Group, for example, North Korea Lazarus Group, Lazarus Group steals hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto. But in order to fund the North Korean regime, you can't buy food with crypto. You can't buy intercontinental ballistic missiles with crypto. You can't get on the world stage with crypto. Crypto doesn't have utility, okay? It's a fact. It's a speculative, risky investment. That's all it is. It doesn't have utility, okay? So North Korea needs to convert its, you know, funny money into straight cash, homie. But the second it does, the second it goes to a exchange to convert it to USD or won or uh, yen or whatever it's going to convert it to, law enforcement's there to say, whoa, 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 bro, freeze that account. The money coming into that account has been tied to North Korea because guys, guess what? The blockchain for all its glory, for all its single plane of glass, for all its next-gen firewall, for all its buzzword, the blockchain is immutable. You write to it once, and you can't edit it once it's written to, right? You can read it indefinitely. So every stolen Bitcoin by North Korea, hundreds of millions of dollars stolen, you can go look where that is. These mixing services are basically money laundering for criminals and where they, you know, like a bunch of us throw our wallets in, the money gets mixed around. It becomes difficult, but not impossible in order to track where, like when a wallet goes to uh, an exchange, was this wallet involved in criminal activity on the surface? No. But if you track back through the blockchain where the mixing happened, then you might be able to discover. And the idea is that you cash out before the investigation can discover far enough back that you are actually uh, a brokering in fraudulent funds. Um, these services, you know, they try to make it um, their business model is that oh, we offer anonymity and privacy. In reality, that is um, as thin that is that is paper thin. That is absolutely transparent. It's so thin. Crap. Th- this mixing service, the reason it's been shut down by law enforcement is because it's basically money laundering. That's all it is. We are a money laundering service and we broker in money laundering. Come on over here. We'll clean your money up, make it smell like uh, Tide Pods and you're off and running, okay? So suck it. I'm glad they're breaking it down. Crypto, crypto winter. Black Basta earned $100 million. Oh, um. also, can I just share this really quickly? I got five minutes before I got to run to the class. Um, Because we're talking about crypto. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Just a really quick share. I currently am almost done. Uh, I always share like what I'm reading with you guys. I'm almost done. This book is, I almost dropped an F-bomb. Wicked, sorry, Kennedy. Preemptive, sorry, Kennedy. Listen, this book is awesome. This book is so awesome, okay? Um, I listened to it, my first ever audio book. Like, I guess I'm new to 2023. Um, I listened to it on Spotify for free. If you are more of a uh, hand, you know, like you like it in your hand, it's 15 bucks, I think, on Amazon. You can listen to it on Spotify for free. It's actually read by Ben McKenzie, who I guess is an actor from the OC. I'm too old to know who he is. But um, this book is 
excellent. If you want to understand crypto, casino capitalism, fraud, what's going on with FTX, what's going on with CZ and Binance, how the crypto market uh, turned into this ridiculous, unregulated, like unbelievable, perfect storm for fraud and crime and how it how it mirrors the um, mortgage subprime mortgage crisis in 2008, how Ponzi scams are all over the place, how uh, Alex, um, oh, uh, what is it? Alex Olensky uh, from, uh, oh my God, what was he from? Uh, Freaking unbank yourself, that guy, whatever. This is awesome. So strongly recommended. I can't recommend it enough. I'll drop a link to the actual uh, audio book that I listened to for free. This book is so good. Extortion. A new report. I'm even willing to go here. This book. That Hansel's so hot right now. Oh my God. This easy money. It's so hot right now. From Elliptic and Corvus Insurance claims the pernicious ransomware group acquired $107 million worth of Bitcoin through extortion since it began activity last year. It found many of these funds made their way to the Russian exchange Garantex. Manufacturing marked the group's most commonly targeted sector, making up about 70% of all attacks. The U.S. accounted for 62% of victims. The report also shows links between Black Basta and the now defunct Conti ransomware group. Yeah, as it's it's strongly believed that Black Basta forked forked off of um, Conti. Um, Black Basta is a tier one. I, I actually forgot about them, but because they haven't really been making headlines, but they're a tier one ransomware threat actor group. Again, Conti was like the OG. Um, tier one, they actually uh, developed the double extortion technique. So all these, um, all these organizations, all these criminal enterprises that are basically just stealing your data, not even in, in, in ransomware in you like that started with Conti and black boss is doing that. Uh, the reason that manufacturing is the most targeted industry is in part because of black Basta. Um, th- there was a, there's a, uh, a printing publisher just the next town over who got hit by Black Basta while I was on jury duty. Literally, a guy asked the judge to be out of jury duty because he's in charge of IT for a company that just got hit by Black Basta. I was like, high five? Question mark? Um, dude, ransomware. They make real money. Here's a screenshot. Uh, grab a screen cap. Put it in your um, in your deck for executives around the why. Like when you're, so here's the deal. When you're trying to make a compelling argument to executives on investments and what the current state is and stuff like that, especially if you work in manufacturing or financials or healthcare, start with this and be like, listen, we deal with X amount of attacks per day. Um, The industry gets hit all the time. How many raindrops it is raining is is not going to sell it. Whether or not the umbrella keeps you dry, this is a Wendy Nather comment. Um, whether the umbrella keeps you dry or not is what's important. So when you start saying, listen, we don't want to suffer a hundred million dollar, um, not that this is a combination of a bunch of different hacks, but like, listen, the threat actor groups are making a hundred million dollars. Just one of them, just one group. And and if you're a small and mid-sized business, you can literally turn to the executives and say, how much did we make in 2022? What was our revenue? Was it less than $100 million? They're doing better than us from a business perspective. Maybe we shouldn't give them more money, right? Like, So this is a good way to quantify the impact financially, which by the way, executives, they speak in financials, right? If you want to resonate with the CEO, the CIO, the CFO, 
Talking money. Talking money. That's what's up. Cash, homie. They are there to make money for the company. That's it. They don't care about next level elite hackers. They don't care about integer overflows in the new Chrome and how it's being exploited in the wild. They care. Does this prevent me from making money? Yes or no? I don't care, Jerry, about your nerdy stuff. I care. Does this affect me making money? This is a way to get their attention, okay? So Black Basta, again, standard practices, guys, unless you're a next level optimized InfoSec program, multi-factor, external attack surface, um, uh, end user awareness training, don't do dumb stuff, network segmentations, backups, tabletop exercises. It The, the playbook is simple. With any new technology, generative AI comes with a set of risks. All right. Hey, guys. We're right at nine o'clock. We are a couple minutes over. I want to share a couple quick things with you before we boogie out of here. Uh, the Citadel, I teach at the Citadel, which is why I've got to run away right now. But uh, the semester is almost over for you long timers. So uh, chill on that. I, later today at 4.30, Gary uh, Binder's coming on. If you want to know everything and anything about quantum cryptography, is AES going to die? Are we going to have to buy Windows, um, Windows Quantum? OS in 2024? I don't know. But Gary's going to answer all those questions. 4.30 later today. I also want to let everybody know this is more of a hype train thing. Um, day five of Advent of Cyber. Advent of Cyber starts tomorrow. Advent of Cyber, if you don't know, is a Try Hack Me initiative that they do every single year. It's a lot of fun. It's a challenge a day. Content creators like John Hammond, Tiberius, InfoSec, Pat, and more, including me, uh, make videos going through the days and uh, two thumbs and smiles. This guy got day five this year. I do a reverse engineering. I do more than GRC. I, I've got I've got skills with a Z. I do more than GRC, right? So I do a reverse engineering one. I kick it old school, which I think they gave me because I've got gray in my beard. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun. Come check it out. Uh, also, again, I'll be in this training tomorrow from 11 to 5. I hope you can join me. We're going to have... Uh, a really good time learning. Um, so there's that. All right, guys. I'm Jerry, your chat. I got to go teach the cadets one more time. Be good, everybody. Thanks so much. And until next time, stay secure. Oh, hold on one second. I told Angular I would do this. Uh, all right. Here is my dissertation. I know Jesse Johnson's read it. Um, you can uh, you can download the PDF if you want. There's my dissertation, Angular. All right, everybody. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, I'll see you today at 4.30. Bye. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Come